going on everyone this is connor uh, i'm joined by dave o'connor dave how are you good morning everyone uh also cooper nolan what's happening yeah all all good we're um we're not joined by joe neeland he's uh he's on his way back from london to ireland so he couldn't make it um few things going on at the moment last week we had pretty strong feel at the zozo in japan uh, with Ricky Fowler nearly winning on the PGA Tour after starting to work with Butch again. Keegan Bradley eventually got the job done there. Uh, Big Brooks Kepka won amongst enormous galleries in Saudi. Um, Valderrama's on two, but it wasn't overly exciting. <clears throat> A few other bits too, including CEO of Golf Saudi saying they were going to come out with their own majors. Um, and then this week upcoming, Rory can go back to world number one with a good week against a really strong field at CJ Cup. Um, first things first, we'll start with the Zozo, which was held in Japan. Um, this was actually ideal for me in Melbourne. Uh, I realised at about 5pm on Sunday that the golf was on live. So uh, I stuck it on to watch the finale. To give you an idea of what happened here in case you missed it, so really strong field in Japan. This is the place where Tiger last won after um, he won his Masters in 2019 to tie Sam Snead's record of 82 PGA Tour wins. Coming in, Hideki was the big favourite. Um, and then the last few holes came down to Ricky Fowler, Andrew Putman and Keegan Bradley. Um, Keegan Bradley got the job done, which wasn't actually a surprise as clearly this is a guy who knows how to get it done when he's in, in this scenario given he won his first major that he ever played in back in the 2011 PGA. Um, but Dave, quite happy to see Ricky up there again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, it's been an incredibly fallow period for Ricky. And you mentioned that he's back working with Butch, which I don't think is lost on anyone. I think anyone who listened to Butch when he was on his more kind of sporadic appearances on Sky Sports over the last couple of years will have heard him talking about Ricky's game and not quite not quite eviscerating it but you could tell that butch had something to say about it and wasn't too pleased to see where where ricky had fallen to particularly given that he'd moved away from the the Harmon stable i think i think you gotta give Fowler credit um it would have been very easy for him to kind of take the live money when it was offered to him um given given the way his career was going and the way he was moving away i mean you kind of you nearly forget that five six years ago Fowler was you know one of one of golf's big stars he'd won the players it was kind of almost a when is he going to win a major kind of thing rather than like the last couple of years it's been it's actually been quite sad to see to, to him down struggling languishing at the bottom end of the fedex cup struggling to struggling to to get into the top 25 to even to even make it towards the end of season stuff so i think you've got to give him a lot of credit i think one of the one of the things that it was good to see on Sunday was that he, well, he didn't quite get the job done. It wasn't as if he completely fell away. It just was one of those rounds, almost like McElroy at St. Andrews, just didn't quite happen for him. There was a couple of birdies, a couple of bogeys, nothing nothing major went on. Um, I think 
I read that he having missed a cut in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. He he spent a he spent a bit of extra time with Butch, which which hopefully will have put him on the right path. Um, but the other thing I'd say is that you, you do have to give credit to Keegan Bradley. I mean, he hasn't quite he hasn't quite fallen away entirely, but you know, it's 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 hard to it's hard to picture Keegan Bradley now. The Keegan Bradley we saw, for example, in in twenty twelve at Medina and the Ryder Cup, holding all those putts. Um, obviously, he's a major champ and. You know, I think you do have to give the guy credit for for kind of for getting over the line and 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 getting back in the winner's circle. Yeah, Keegan's a funny one because he was someone who suffered with that um, with the long putter being banned, wasn't he? Because he when he came out onto the tour, he won his first major and he was using the the um, the belly putter, and then obviously they 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 made the changes the rules and he's kind of i wouldn't say fallen off the face of the earth but uh it's been years since he's won and he just obviously when he burst onto the scene um he hasn't been able to reach those heights again but but cooper going back to um ricky the butch factor is real yeah no it definitely is um like we i think we mentioned this a few weeks ago um or someone kind of mentioned the swing and how it's changed like ricky's just again kind of touching on um the heights that he's fallen from um like when you take the the ricky that won in quail hollow um or the ricky the one in sawgrass or sorry did he win in quail hollow um yeah yeah he did yeah um just after visiting there recently on the vj tour but um the the, the sharpshooter that he was um it did it, it really kind of lapsed on him completely um which is really sad um but there's been a market swift uh kind of change in the swing over the last few years over the last few months even just kind of correlating with this new bit of form like he used to get like uniquely flat up at the top and it was just a really kind of weird position and if the time was off at all it's very hard to get back into the right kind of position for him and obviously it worked great when he was uh coming up and won the hot shots alongside McElroy and thomas but when it kind of fell away um, there was very little he could do about it um, so whether what he's doing with Butch now is actually kind of uh, damage limitation in terms of if he's off he's still not as far off as he was um, or if it's an entirely new approach whatever it is Butch is, Butch is the man and like in three events this year he's already surpassed his 27 event FedEx Cup point total of last year so it's it really is a kind of a, a rising from the grave kind of thing um, just while we're talking about Ricky, another note this week, uh, King King Cam Young picked up Rookie of the Year, and Ricky won that back in 2010. So you're looking 12 years now on tour, probably maybe uh, between, what, six and eight, absolutely lighting it up, just unlucky not to get more wins. And then it's just been a really kind of dry patch for him in the last few years. So yeah, amazing to see him get back on, back on song. Um, but yeah, uh, the, 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 the butch factor is definitely um he, he was very kind of complimentary about him and um, talking about him on social media during the week and just delighted to see him get back up there and he's he, he's no longer kind of this kind of sad case that we talk about maybe just because it's it's really disappointing that he had such potential now it's more a case of is this guy going to be playing the Ryder cup next year so yeah class to class to see yeah, you, you mentioned the the rookie of the year in twenty ten. Like I mean, he won. He, he was on the Ryder Cup team in twenty ten. You know, he he's never, you know, he'd never really even come close 
to to fall away like he had. It was almost like he fell off the side of a cliff. Like he's got, he's he, he's been second in every major. I think bar the US Open, where his top finish is third. You know, in twenty sixteen, he he was he was fourth in the in the Royal Golf Rankings. I mean, it's easy to forget just how good a player he was and how much of a factor he was coming into big events. Like you know, Ricky would have been mentioned coming into every major the same way now we would talk about you know justin thomas john ram not as possibly not mcelroy or or the guys who've won multiple majors but you know he really he really was a factor in the game so like and and, and golf needs golf needs the likes of ricky fowler and he's not he's not necessarily a young guy anymore he's 33 years of age but he's still got a lot left in him like guys need the kind of the the characters like fowler showing up in the in the all orange on sunday um and and hopefully hopefully get themselves into contention a little bit more um one thing just mentioned on on, on bradley is the you mentioned the long putter con like i think it's it's obviously very early days he's just after coming back off a win but i saw data golf posted that he this is the first time since the since the change to a short putter that he's in the green in terms of strokes gain putting so obviously it's a very really? Yeah, it's a very small sample size. He's just after coming off a win, but like he was, he was in the, you know, he was in the green as such. Uh, two or three strokes gained around back in the day when he was able to use a long putter. He's been in the red ever since. So, like, I wonder is it a case that he's he's finally cracked it, or whether he just had a a really good week with the short stick. Um, you know, and obviously he does. You know, it's well documented how slow he is, and 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 like all the same point stuff. I mean, like he. You can, I, I personally, you know, aim point take for what it is. Some people kind of agree with it, some don't. You you can't deny it's bad for the pace of play, but like, does does it, there's aim point and then there's Bradley's version of it. I mean, like, by the time he's finished with it, you'd nearly have to start doing it again because the ground will have moved that much in the period it took him to look at a four or five foot put with with his feet. Like it, it is, it is absolutely. Have you, ever, have you ever done it? Have you ever? I've never really tried the aim point. Have you? not 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 as such i mean like if i'm really struggling to read a put i might kind of think about it and think like what way is the ground falling here like what sort of but in terms of like having a routine of it no absolutely not i mean i just like to to completely just go off on a little bit of a tangent here like i happen to think the pace of play is one of the, the biggest problems in golf and like if if lads like myself on a on a sunday starts start whipping out the aim point for for 30 foot putts i think we'll we'll never be getting off the golf course so i wouldn't be a huge fan of it like at the program i can absolutely see i can absolutely see if it works for them but you know you just have to you just have to get on with it a little bit more than he does yeah i was even on the i i'd never used the the, the aim point now but the kind of um if it's uh <clears throat> i don't know say an eight to ten foot putt then you're kind of i'm not sure if it's breaking right or left it looks relatively straight i would use the the kind of the stand over the line and kind of feel to see if there was any um slope and just kind of measuring with your feet but in terms of aim point i actually don't understand how it works i i, I couldn't i <clears throat> in terms of actually like trusting your eye and then trusting that you have to go two fingers outside the left or i yeah i've never i've never really got it if it works for some people though i guess it's the whole thing about putting and <laughs> probably golf in general is um it's it's a game played on a course between your two ears it's, yeah i'm um, very if any any way to kind of i guess just back up the the thought that you have in your head or the line that you thought you saw just for that confidence to do it but don't take forever 
Yeah, like I have a very basic understanding of it. I think it's a, it's a three-step process. The first first step of the process, I think, is basically feeling out the slope of the green with the feet, uh, as far as I understand it. And like, like as, as similar to what Cooper just said there, I would kind of sometimes do that if I was unsure. But like, that would be me kind of doing that, you know, while other people are doing their doing their thing around the green. That's I mean, when you're that's when you're about to shoot a three under and a three under gross in the medal on the 18th. Maybe I'd allow it then. I was more thinking. I was more thinking when I would put on eighteen to kind of to shoot level twos at the moment for me. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Save point one. Um, I thought the I thought the basic premise of it was that, like, if you look at a a hole cut on a slope, that at some point, say, like on one side of the hole is obviously severely right to left, and the other side it's severely left to right. At some point, as you go around that hole, you have a straight put, be it like straight uphill or straight downhill. And I thought aim point was a way of like working out what, how far you are from the straight put. Have I, have I completely butchered that? I, I'm actually not even sure. I, it sounds in theory, it sounds right. Um, yeah, like it's like those kind of arcs that you see when there's a big long put on the PGA Tour, where it, where the actual straightest put with a bit of force versus the laggiest put that's going to absolutely fall in from the side and then anywhere in between there with the right level of force. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, it's, yeah, as Dave said, um, on tour grand, um, on the first off 22 handicap in, uh, in a weekly stage for competition, if everyone's doing it, you're going to be out there for six hours. So I, I, I'd nearly say you need to <laughs> you need to cap it off in the amateur game or in the severely amateur game at uh you can only be doing that once or twice around lads. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like um fifteen handicaps who won't play with a pro V because they only want to play with a, a tailor made or something like that. Um but anyway, so the point is there that Ricky Fowler is is back, he's back working with Butch. And uh, I think the trade off with that with working with Butch is that he's based in las vegas and he's old now so he just doesn't go out on uh on on tour so the price that you pay is that you're not going to have a coach who's going to be on the range on a weekly basis but obviously for 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 good old ricky it's worth him worth it um like you know I'd, I, I, would you not rather if it, if it works for you would you not rather have butch on a laptop or a tablet like virtually yeah. behind in the range than the alternative which is languishing down at the bottom of the fedex cup but also you would assume that he has access to claude Harmon. um I, I, if he really needs someone there in person on the range at the events i mean it is obviously a bit much to expect uh poor el butch to to troll around the the 49 50 weeks of the golf season these days but i think you know when it comes to golf in general it, like if it works for you keep at it so if, if butch is working for ricky like you know get on get on a, on your off week get on a plane go to vegas on a week that you're playing that butch is not around which is likely to be any week that isn't a major these days like get him on the tablet behind the range put your airpods in and chat to butch virtually yeah it's a good point and um, like the it's uh butch butch harman's working from home setup um but he can um like i i'd actually i'd say that doesn't even really matter that much because he can obviously live stream into uh, a, a range session with ricky he can get probably get access to the trackman numbers as each shot goes away so like in terms of getting all the information he needs he probably has it all 
but he's such a he's such an old school coach. I'd say it's like going down to Bobby Brown in Betty's town. Um, it's it's kind of an all feel, all look, and he'll he'll just try and form you into the idea of the swing that he wants you to get. Um, and it's probably not going to be through um, uh, through theory and through numbers. It's going to be practical, kind of giving you a slap on the shoulder if you're if you keep dipping that or trying to put something under your right arm to keep the right elbow locked or something like that. Like it's not, yeah, it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be data driven. It's going to be yeah. uh, an owl lad hitting you with a stick if you do something wrong. I think if I, I think if I was Ricky, I'd move to Vegas and pay a bit of tax. To be honest, if <laughs> yeah, if, if this is the if this is the improvement that you've seen in your your couple of weeks back with Bush, oh. yeah, Jesus, keep going keep going but um dave you mentioned claude Harmon there so brooks kepka just started working with claude again for the first time since january 2020 i think it was maybe january 2021 he stopped working with claude um and now he the last couple of months he's back working with him and he has just won the biggest event of his career live saudi so uh for her for those who who didn't watch any of the the event in Saudi, I don't blame you. But of the events in the three main tours, if we look at the DP World Tour, PGA Tour, and Live, this probably had the most exciting finish. But so I'll set the scene. So Live rocked around to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia for the last of their single stroke play of the season. They head to Miami next week for the event or for the for the team event, which will be a mixture of match play and stroke play, but we won't get into that. Um, anyway, they're in Royal Greens Golf Club, which is where they've hosted the Saudi International in the past. There, I think there's a total of about six people in attendance throughout the week. So quite clearly really growing the game in Saudi. I'm not joking you. There was no one at this thing. So you should stick on the, the YouTube highlights. Um, we'll give them the excuse that it was pretty hot, but Jesus. Like the leaders were coming down the stretch and the hospitality tent were empty and there was honestly no one on the golf course it might as well have been the three of us playing like um but anyway the golf was actually quite a good finish so coming down the stretch the players involved you had brooks you had peter uline sergio um gmac actually fairly with contention um i think the final leaderboard had like nine players within three shots so anyway reasonably exciting finish ended up going to a playoff between brooks and peter uline um went up the 18th par five a few times before uline bladed a bumper shot into the water and uh brooks won um cooper brooks probably quite a divisive player he dominated obviously for a few years winning those four majors really quickly uh he would have been a real marquee player coming across to live but he's done nothing since joining best finish was tied 11th what do you make of him oh what do i make of him <laughs> um no, well, uh, like, I, I guess looking at it purely from a golf standpoint, as you said, he's been off for a while. It's good to see him back, as in, you just like seeing these players, regardless of your, your opinion of what they've done, Um, I guess, decision-wise. Yeah, you have to kind of remember that this is this is a guy who we used to fear going into majors and was always a kind of a top player um, or top of the market um, when the big events came around. Um, but... Uh, again, it, it just comes back to this bullshit fucking propaganda where in the interview afterwards, he he basically spent the last, what, 12 years 
trying to convince us that the only things that mattered were majors and that the average PGA Tour events were dog shit and he didn't care. And then he starts tearing up on the green afterwards uh, in Jeddah, saying this is the, the biggest event he's ever won. Like it, it's, I, I don't know who had the onions out, but the cry on command, if the if Liv implodes and he's not invited back to the PGA Tour, he has a spot in Hollywood. It was really, really fucking just annoying to to watch um, afterwards on social media, just because he, it it can't it can't be proper emotion. There's no way on earth that he genuinely like in his heart believes that that competition was as important as a major on the PGA Tour or on um, as, as as a major as a standalone event. And um, so that pissed me off uh, quite a lot. <laughs> he uh, it was pretty devastating to see him have to uh, take down his fellow um smash teammate in a playoff the the supporters of smash golf club obviously had a massive conflict of interest there watching that watching the playoff but it's um again uh, something that going into next week or whenever miami is um it it, it could make for a good final round i guess I, I don't know how they're going to cover all the time and how much shite is going to be talked on commentary when there's only going to be what 16 lads on the on the course um for the final round but it's yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out anyway in terms of this last cast plan that seems to have emerged over the last few weeks on how to finish this live season or live first kind of go but no yeah um, yeah it's it's good to see him good to see him back playing well um couldn't really give a shite about it um and yeah, the 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 one thing I took from that entire, well, the two things were number one, as you said, Con, the fans were hilariously fucking non-existent. Um, there was one stage walking Neiman uh, had a shot kind of out in the desert, and if you remember Tiger back in the waste management, or maybe it wasn't called the waste management, I think it was still in Arizona, um, hitting the shot into the desert and then getting the crowd to move the boulder out of the way because it was a okay, it yeah. was a movable object or a loose impediment, uh, even though it was a boulder. And he got like 20 fans to, to move it out of the way. And then there was poor walking Neiman with his caddy trying to move this kind of football sized boulder out of the way. Um, and there was no fans to help. Like it was just, yeah, it was very, uh, very funny to have those two comparisons and just the, the actual spectators really coming into, coming into play. Um, but yeah, it's, um, no, I just, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's it, it, the, the only thing I'm taking from it is, yeah the the reaction afterwards was uh completely manufactured and made me uh somehow hate live a little bit more yeah it's it's amazing to me how like they've managed to get the buy-in in despite of like in spite of all the facts from like someone like kepka who, who was you know reasonably straight shooter uh, in terms of his his opinions and the things he would have said publicly over the last over the last few years now that being said i was one of the people who saw through the bryson stuff over the last couple of years i did think that that was you know certainly quite forced by the end but you know kepka would sort of say what's on his mind i mean as you said there was no one at this thing i think the i think the viewership topped out at twenty five thousand people on on youtube which is you know which is free to air obviously um like clearly it turned into a bit of a nothing event for Liv 
Um, so it just it amazes me that they will still they're still able to essentially convince Kepka to stand there and call it the biggest win of his career, um, and 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 have the emotion somehow pouring out of him. Um, like and another thing that pissed me off about Kepka last again was you know talking about how disappointed he was that he was back playing well and and all of a sudden had no golf to play. Like it it really is almost like these guys didn't didn't fully think through the consequences of their decisions in terms of joining Liv. And now they're just they're just bundled themselves into such a web and of propaganda and lies, like similar to Mickelson, you know, forgetting that he apologized for the things he said in an interview with Alan Shipnook and and denying it ever happened, that they can't see the wood from the trees. I mean, like Kepka Kepka must have known or should have known that there was going to be no golf for him to play for a number of months. It was one of the reasons they all said they were excited to go to live. And now, now that he's playing a little bit better and has won, he's turning around and saying he's very disappointed that he won't have anything to play after Miami next week. So it just that that that's what really frustrates you about the whole thing is that it really is just a web of propaganda and lies. And it's very hard. It's very hard to take anything that any of them say with any kind of um, like would sort of like is is anything they're saying genuine you know it's very difficult and like you can contrast that with you know someone like McElroy <clears throat> who you always feel like you're getting his genuine take on something um so that's just kind of disappointing for me but they are they're, they're so deep now that they they can't they can't backtrack like yeah. even even Mickelson trying to come back from that but it's not even you know you're not even you're not even asking to backtrack though but like it's the fact that they're like doubling down and trebling down on a constant that's it but i i it's a case i think there's two things there's number one like they're tied in with a contract so they're they're trapped to a certain extent you know like obviously they're lured in with all this cash and it's you know their their eyes light up with dollar signs and they're so excited to move across so number one they're trapped And, and number two I wonder is there an element of them just trying to justify their own decision so like there had to be a moment or plenty of moments say in in the saudi event for example when these players are coming down the stretch and yes they're playing for millions of dollars but they're looking around and they're just seeing no one there like is that what they going up like yeah what have i really made the right decision here but then you've got greg norman and and his 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 band of merry men in behind the the scenes who are just whispering sweet nothings into their ears about how how great they are and, and everything and it is a real shame because genuinely the, the leaderboard on the sunday and i know a lot of them are like past players and like they're they're not absolute top of the top of the game anymore but it was a a, a strong field say in comparison to the the event in Valderrama or whatever but you had these players that they must have just been they must have moments where they're like on the 14th hole and they're on the fairway and they're just looking around and they just think to themselves oh shit like, whatever, about the, whatever <laughs> about the likes of uh whatever about the likes of kepka who's leading the event i mean i'm sure you know the the 4.7 million dollars or whatever it is, is 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 running through his mind in that position but like if you're you know if you're pat perez and you're six over par again like I don't know what team is Pat on. Is he on the? Is he on? Oh, he's the... for it. He's for it. Oh, he's for aces. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Pat Perez is a bad example because he probably does care if the four aces win because it's loading up his bank account. 
But it, like, if you're if you're a genuine superstar of the game, if you're Dustin Johnson or someone, you're languishing in mid, mid in the middle of the field or towards the bottom of the field. Like, I don't buy for one second that you care about this team stuff. I mean, you know, these lads, these lads don't really care about anything but themselves anyway. I mean, professional golfers are notoriously egotistical, so like, they have to be. Look, for their sake, I hope that, as I've always said, like any of them that have come out and said they're doing it for the money, that's fine. I don't agree with it, but at least they're being honest. Like, I really just hope that the money is worth it, especially if this World Golf Rankings uh, business goes against them or if, if the majors turn on them. Because, you know, in their heart of hearts, they have to know. I mean, Kepka knows he's a four-time major champion. He knows that that was... That was just like Kepka, of course, like notoriously only ever won big events. Like he never really won kind of mid-range or smaller tour events. Even the ones on tour that he won, like the Phoenix Open, for example, you know, kind of up there, the upper echelons. He knows he's a four-time major champion and he knows that that is the most insignificant event he's ever won. Whatever way you want to, whatever way you want to shape it. Um, and it's the same with the, you know, the, the Saudi golf CEO, you know, coming out saying they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna invent their own majors. These guys know that doesn't matter. I mean they can they can shove all the propaganda they like at the world. They know that that won't compare to a Sunday in Augusta, a Sunday at St Andrews or a Sunday at any of the big major courses that the, the US Open or USPG are playing. So I think it's just important for people to realise like genuine, I'm talking about genuine golf fans because obviously you're going to get the, the idiots on Twitter and you're going to get, you know, the the live bots as as, as you would, as you would say that are going to buy into it. But it's just important to realize that I don't think that these guys actually believe any of it. They're just being told to to say it or they're contractually obliged to say it. Yeah, I saw someone during the week um, say if if there was no kind of um, no borders and you had to kind of pick. Um, whether you want to play in the majors or in these Saudi majors, I think you mentioned the number two hundred million. So just say it's fifty million uh, quid um, for the the winner of each of these four theoretical Saudi majors. Um, what would each player do? Like, would they play for nothing to try and win the carrot jug or to, the green jacket, or would they go and play in that? And again, that that that's kind of in the whole point, kind of weeding out these lads who are kind of don't really care about the, the the golf side of it or don't really care about their reputations or legacy they 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 are just money hungry um two guys like this that we've talked with this week i i was certain keegan bradley was going to be on the live train um just i i have an absolute the same way dave hates justin rose i hate keegan bradley um ever since he him and his caddy squared up against him and his um and his caddy back in the day and fifty cups on the course, but um, it, it, and it's yeah, it, it's it, it's it's proper delusion that they think or that your man thinks that there's any way they could actually build or fabricate a major with money as the main draw. It just shows how out of touch the the kind of decision making is from the top. And um, there was a story as well that they, um, I think it was people from Saudi Gulf. It could have been the CEO. They were at Augusta for the Masters um, last year, and they asked, um, so "How much is it to to rent this place out for a for a conference?" As in the, about the Augusta Clubhouse, and one of the the members was just like, "You can't do that. 
and like again met with disbelief what do you mean we can't do that we have all the money in the world so yeah i i think it's going to take a bit longer but they're eventually going to realize that money doesn't buy everything um and one other point on the i guess the brooks kind of like not fall from grace but the fall from form um if you were to put i know he's nowhere near as kind of dropped down as ricky ricky has been but kepka's now i think he's he's inside the top 50 anyway he's probably around 30 and uh, 30 40. um so he's still in contention for majors and stuff but he has dropped remarkably down from where he was and uh, before join and live um now he goes and wins that and who cares and um, whereas we watch ricky now i think he's just outside the top 100 again and his kind of resurgence is met with like just everyone is absolutely delighted for him everyone is pushing for him even though you would actually take him as someone who could have definitely gone to live as in he fits the the kind of demographic or fits the the profile of um someone who used to be great falling out of touch isn't making cuts needs to make some money like he he was a prime candidate i'd say and i'd say the guys on live definitely had a target on his back to get him over just to bring the the the, fo the following he has and um, totally regardless of how well he was playing so i guess ricky's commitment to not only his own game but to the pga tour as well just is another massive tick in uh, him being in the, the good guys camp we should wrap up the live stuff because we could just go on all day uh but one one final note uh on it ricky elliott brooks's caddy from port rush i'd say he's a happy man if he's working off 10 percent of 4.75 million you know yeah, he's made a lot of money it's gonna get it's gonna get into the caddy situation there but yeah we're probably better off to leave that for another week <laughs> um briefly we'll just touch on the the uh, valderama i only looked at the kind of highlights on youtube of this one struck me as a bit of a snooze fest obviously great golf course according to all the players um tough test usually and without uh is it a tagi am i pronouncing it correct um that remained true but he shot 18 under cooper to win in in a canter was did i hear you say that that's the the record score at balderama um it was actually 19 under um like um 19 under and valderama the you could you could just tell how impressive it was based on the response on social media from other players like it's it's just meant to be i think before the tournament started they asked a few pros what do you think um an average golfer would shoot it was an average golfer or a, a 10 handicap or something like that and each one of them just goes they'd be doing very well to break 100. like it, it's it's that kind of course and to see a guy after 54 holes be already assuming he shoots level power and break the course record or the tournament records was pretty outrageous um delido was a spanish guy um like again just it has the larry and Baltre vibes to it and straight after ram winning last week as well um always always good to, to back the, the passionate spanish lads uh, on home soil and um, but again um sorry obviously a great win for him but if you kind of go down the list a bit you have minwoo lee kind of in the top three i actually thought Ategui was going to completely explode i thought it was too good to be true but he showed incredible kind of stuff to to, to hang on and Rasmus Hogard is top five and then Bob McIntyre top 10 so like you have these guys popping up constantly in the run down towards the Ryder Cup uh and even though it's very early days we're seeing a few of these potential potential guys to sniff in 
um, out of their own merit. But the, the Hall guards, the McIntyres, if they don't make it and they keep this form up for the whole year and they kind of just go by, they'll, they're already kind of putting themselves forward as captain's picks. So early days, but uh, yeah, it's uh, cool, to, cool to kind of think a year down the line and what, uh, where these guys are going to be. Wouldn't be, yeah, uh, but I wouldn't be so sure to be getting himself a captain's pick. You know, he is, he is going to be the answer to a to a pub a pub quiz question one day. Uh, in terms of being the first man to have who have played in the live event to to win on on either of the other main main tours. Um, so I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Otegi, Otegi, Otegi played the first three live events. I think. I think he was, I think he was one of them that was one of the guys who was let go by live as part of the call. Um, when when the likes of the the likes of Casey and and the boys kind of the the late signups, I can't remember exactly who was in that wave of signings like Leishman and and these kind of people, Cam Smith I suppose as well, but I'm not sure whether he came before or after that. But yeah, I tell you he's the first live golfer to win on on either of the main tours. Uh, there was there was a good bit of criticism about this on on uh, on social media in terms of I think I think it was his 58th hole of the week before he appeared on the. On the Sky Sports or DP World Tour stream, um, and a lot of people were, a lot of people were calling that, you know, calling that out as being a pathetic reaction from the DP World Tour. I, not, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure which side of the fence I, I fall on this. I mean, I think if if someone, if someone's getting into the event and he's contending and he's playing the kind of golf that he was, you can't ignore the fact. And I mean, to be fair, they didn't ignore him in the final round. How could you when he was leading by four or five shots? But you do have to remember that he was part of the lawsuit. He yeah. is part of the lawsuit against the DP World Tour um, by these live players. So, like, he's literally suing the tour. So I'm not sure the tour... You can certainly understand why the tour don't want to give him a platform and probably left it until the last minute to kind of go, well, look, there's no getting away from this now. We're going to have to start showing a bit of a taggy. Um so yeah, I just, I just, it's obviously an interesting side note, and he will, there will never be another Ategi victory because he there's only going to be only going to be once this happens. I mean, it may, uh, and the other side of it is it may never happen again because uh, they're obviously not going to be playing the PJ Tour anytime soon. And if this court case goes against the live players in February when it's heard, um, they might be playing the DP World Tour next year either. So Ategi has made himself a little little slice of golfing history. Um, which I'm not sure. It, uh, history is history will be the determinant of uh, which side he falls on. Of it, obviously. Yeah, it was the one. It was one of the few kind of bits of marketing from Liv that was kind of like, oh, you got us there. They um, they they obviously aren't congratulating players on a week to week basis, winning on the DP World Tour or the BGA Tour, but they they made sure to uh, congratulate him on the all the Liv social channels. So. Yeah, it was uh, very, very apparent that they um, uh, they're supporting the uh, the what's the the proper word to be able to kind of mix between the two. Mm. They're the... just such good guys, the the live guys. That's that's the thing, isn't it? They're they're just uh, good, happy people. But the the point about not showing them, <laughs> they um, the, the European Tour own the the media company, not the European Tour Productions. I think that's a big yeah. arm of the business, isn't it? So they they would have had a big say in whatever's being shown at sky sports interesting point um dave very strong field this week cj cup coming up um they're in south carolina rory to get to world number one with a top two finish this week 
Yeah, very strong field. I think it's going to be the last like really strong field of the season that isn't the DP World Tour Championship in a few weeks. But I mean, arguably, it might it'll probably be a stronger field than that anyway, realistically, because a lot of the Americans that have exemptions for that based on their performance in majors, like Justin Thomas, for example, whether he'll show up to play in 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 the Middle East in November is up for up for debate. But yeah, very strong field. Um, McElroy, like you kind of like you kind of forget. I mean, his last his last four his last four events, he hasn't been outside the top five. I mean, he won mm. the championship. He won at a canter when you take the handicaps away, you know, and then the top five at, at Wentworth, the French and the Dunhill. So, I mean, he is he is the hottest player in golf. It's very hard. It's very hard to sit here and say that he's not going to do it. Um, he is the defending champion. Obviously, this is a different course, though. So, the, the, you know, the course forms aren't really there. Uh, very little value in, with him in the market, though. I mean, they're only, I think, because it's a because it's a smaller field. Uh, I think Paddy Power, for example, is already playing six or seven places, and he's thirteen to two. So I mean, unless you really think he's going to go out and win it, there's probably no value in him. I mean, similar to John Ram. I mean, Ram. Ram's form is obviously also excellent. When when the when the uh, Spanish Open recently, uh, and then also you know his performances towards the end of the the FedEx Cup were pretty good as well, from what I can recall. Um, this course. This Cong- Congaree course has held the, the one-off Palmetto Championship last summer, and it did play quite difficult. It seems to be got an interesting course. Gary Kigo was the winner. He he won't be he won't be teeing it up this week, but I think it was only eleven under. Like it seems to be a quite a unique course in terms of the fact that there's no real rough on it, but there's plenty of kind of barren areas. It's going to run firm and fast, and if the wind gets up, this could be a, a real challenge for them. Um, in terms of who I'm going to go with, like. I think just if you're just to look at it purely from an odds perspective, like Scheffler is Scheffler's fourteen to one. I mean, he's he's double the odds of McElroy. He's I think I think Ram is nine or ten to one. So he's he's kind of four or five points ahead of ahead of John Ram. I mean, Scheffler kind of had a disappointing end of the season, obviously, but you know he still kept second in the score championship. He had a poor presence cup in terms of results, but his golf actually wasn't that bad, if you recall. It's kind of the putter to let him down a bit, I feel. And that's something that for someone like Scheffler, I think he's such a good putter that it's hard for me to think that that's going to be a long term, a long term thing. And also he is the bag this week. He, he's he's changed his putter actually this week. He's got a new Scotty and it's very one. And just you know, he is he's sort of like defending his world number one spot as such. So I actually kind of, I actually kind of fancy, I actually kind of fancy Scheffler this week. It's gonna be, it's it's gonna be someone who can who can drive it long and straight. I think that's gonna that's gonna do well here because it is it is a long golf course. It's over seven and a half thousand yards. As I said, there is no real rough, but the fairways are firm and fast. So if you hit in the wrong area, you're gonna run into those barren areas, and then you could have a as as Cooper was saying earlier, you could have a walking meme situation. Hopefully there might be a few fans in South Carolina to give lads a hand moving a bit of bit of waste in the desert. But yeah, no, it is it is interesting. It's actually I actually am I think for the first time, probably since Wentworth, I am actually looking forward to watching a bit of golf this weekend, genuinely. Like it is a really good field. I mean, I know I've kind of touched on the kind of real big boys there, but like just from an Irish perspective, Lowry's also playing and obviously he's been in good form. So it is something that I'm really looking forward to to taking a look at over the weekend. Cooper, firm, fast. It's got to be Shane Lowry. Bit of wind. He's the man. They're a brave man back in Lowry based on his recent efforts. Um, as much as I'd love to have a patriotic bet on him. Uh, or Seamus Perry who's also there. 
Wait, did um, we win? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's a two-year-old for him. Yeah, the, the the bad finish at the Dunhill, but he did get caught out in the in that squall in Kings Barnes, which which yeah. tripped up a good few of them that week. I just think he's he's mentally on his holidays already. He's it's uh, the same way that we all look at Friday before Christmas. I think where he, he's clocked off now. He's he's happy enough for the he's rest doing, of the year. Um, he thinks he's going to play Winter League, does he? Winter League, yeah, the, the 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 big event, one of the Christmas turkeys. Um, but no, it's uh, I I I wouldn't be back in Larry this week anyway. Um, like as Dave said, um, big big long tough course. The greens are actually enormous here. Um, so it, it's it's going to be someone who's actually good at lag putting um, as well, um, not just the the the, the kind of the, the hot putter on the small greens to, to hold birdies. It's it's going to be a a real test. And um, there's lots of water as well, actually. Um, lots of water. As Dave said, shag all rough, but there is quite a bit of sand as well. So it's all about accuracy off the tee. Um, accuracy off the tee and then kind of approach irons so that you're not leaving yourself 30-foot putts and just trying to, I guess, scramble around. Um, I, I like Obviously, McElroy, back to world number one, he has one of the few guys who actually has a target this week um, in the back of his mind that, yeah, I have to get back to world number one here. Um, so I wouldn't put anyone off um, backing him um but i would probably be looking a bit further down um not too far outside the favorites because this is actually a tournament that that throws up a, a pretty strong kind of um someone strong in the market to win it like you've the likes of thomas winning it twice in the last five years kepka mcelroy last year Kokrak is the kind of i guess the 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 odd one out uh, in the last five years anyway but i i, I really think at 25 to 1 tom kim is great value mm. um just in in terms of the, the kind of form he's coming off um on the president's cup as well uh, and just i think it's more the reason i'd, I'd back him is is the pudding um he, he's not the longest guy and uh, he, he's relatively straight but it's it's going to be this is 100 whoever going to win this at the end of the week is probably going to be top of the strokes gains pudding as well um maybe off the tee they'll be up high as well but uh, yeah it's it's all it's all about putting um around this place so uh, do you i not think do you think a course like this is going to put kim's long game under a lot of pressure like he's going yeah. he's, he's to be hitting he's going to be hitting a lot of mid long irons in, into these greens yeah oh no 100 um but i'm gonna side by the fact that he's just an absolute wizard on the green and someone who's just full of confidence for those kind of niggly ones when it's a he's after hitting it on a massive saint andrews like green and he's after lagging it up to five or six feet and he'll hold them all week um so yeah uh a kind of tentative each way about on, on on tom kim um but yeah if if someone like mcroy is on song with the driver it's going to be very hard to stop if he can get the putter on any any kind of a any kind of a run I get what you're saying, Dave, about Tom Kim being not being the longest in the world, so he might struggle around here, but he's full of beans at the moment. He's flying high. Uh, I don't know if you saw him in the press conference with McElroy. He, he pretended to be a journalist and asked McElroy a question, which was uh, actually quite enjoyable. I, I think you should go and watch it. If you yeah, haven't. I think Tom Kim will always be full of beans, though. I think like like being full of beans is not going to help him hit four or six or seven. Like. Ah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's that's what the leaderboard is here for. What about you, Con? But he's 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 feeling good. I like Tom Kim too. Um, but I don't know. It's like R Rory, Rory's um embarking on a quest to get back to world number one for the ninth time. Apparently, 
Um, and I put I saw put quite well the other day. Uh, I read an article where it was saying that this could be like Rory's almost third career, and that like you know the first career when it was when he burst out onto the scene, won all his majors. Se second career was that very long period where he hasn't done anything, but now he really does seem to have the the fire in the belly again. Um, Cannot wait for him to be six to one favorite for the Masters and absolutely implode. <laughs> no, that 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 day's, that day is gone. You, yeah. As I as I've said here on on previous occasions, McElroy's major drought ends in twenty twenty three. Just as the Netflix documentary comes up. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'd I, I'd back. I'd put good money on him. I think he's going to win a major next year, but I do love him. Um, we should begin to wrap up. Cooper, you, you mentioned you had one or two things on the Irish scene happening at the moment that are worth people being aware of. Yeah, it's crunch time now for, for a lot of the guys um, on the Europa Tour, the Alps, the, the DP World and PGA Tour qualifiers. So there's lads, uh, lads all over the globe, um, whether it's Kerry over in the US on the Corn Ferry or Stewie Graham and Lockern this week and a few of the other Irish boys um, knocking around Q School as well. Uh, I think the last two rounds are coming up now in uh, in Spain. Um, but no, just uh, in terms of, I guess, we obviously have CJ Cup and thankfully uh, won the last, I guess, strong fields that we're going to see for the rest of the year, probably until, what, maybe maybe a December date in, in, in the Middle East for the DP World Tour. But um, no, it's uh, if if anyone is kind of following the Irish amateur golf, um, there there's absolutely loads on and loads of lads in good positions to uh, to progress on up another level towards the towards the 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 big time. Um, mm. So yeah, the we'll hopefully hopefully see see Stewie Gren on the Challenge Tour next year uh, if you can get it done in Lockern uh, and obviously Kerry if he can get onto the is is that to qualify for the Corn Ferry Tour or yeah. He's over in the US trying to go go that route. He actually decided not to go through the DP World Tour uh, Q School. He's um, trying to get to final stage qualifying for the Corn Ferry. So that would be huge for him. You'll remember him with the with the Bryce and the Shambo hat. He made the cut at the Open. Um, be great to see him do uh, do well. Get on with the Corn Ferry Tour, and just I think Tom McGibbon. The guy, he's Northern Irish guy. He's done very, very well on the Challenge Tour. Looks like he's going to get his DP World Tour card, which would be great. Yeah. So, yeah, a few kind of lads like that names to look out for. Tom McKibben, David Carey, Stuart Graham. Yeah, Hurley, Hurley and Yates are doing well as well. Um, Yates won the Alps there. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, no, loads loads going on. And, like yeah, loads to be, to be really excited about. So, yeah, maybe not. Who's going to be the next Shane Larry, but potentially the next Seamus Power? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe actually did ask me to mention that uh, the David Carey point, and just Joe wanted to, to personally wish him luck in the in the corner <laughs> for <Frank> school. <laughs> that was that was one thing Joe wanted to make sure we got into the pod this week in his absence. Yeah, yeah, I think Joe has uh, a bit of personal beef with David Carey, and we'll just leave it leave it at that. Um, get, get him, Joe, get him on the pod. Get the Joe, Joe. On. Joe hates Joe hates paddy caps. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's, yeah. Um. Anyway, we'll leave it there, gents. Um. Thank you for joining us for another week of Unplayable. We will catch you next time.